oh, that clap wasn't horrid. I'm scared. Legitimately frightened now. This is... Things can only get... Things will only get worse from here. Hi, I'm James Jones. It's May 19th, 2022. And this is Radio Free Nintendo, episode 772. I'm joined today by the returning Mr. John Lindemann. Uh, it's great to be here, James. It is great to have you, John. I'm also joined today by Greg Leahy. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. I'm also joined by um, Guillaume Vayette, who I want to speak about in a moment, but I'll let you get your introduction in. Uh, okay. Good evening. Good evening, Guillaume. That is, uh, Greg informs me, or informed me, that this would be your 10th anniversary on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it sounds weird when you say it that way. It, uh, well, <laughs> I didn't mean for that. Just but a, a it kid. Does, just a kid. It, it just, it does seem improbable when you think about it. Like, that's such a long, I, I, it doesn't I, fe- feel like it was that long ago. Yeah, I know. Surely, uh, imposter syndrome is going to go away any time now. No, Anytime. never does. Never. Like I, I still have it. I've been on the show even longer, and I get it for being the host too. So it's double. It's a good time. <laughs> but Guillaume, I legitimately thank you for everything you do for the show. Um, I, it is, it is not unnoticed, and it is not unappreciated. And uh, we were talking about before the show. I'm working on things to try to make this better, and was immediately snake bit by technology, arbitrarily deciding that no. Four is fine. Five is too many. And you might be saying, "What, James, what do you mean by five? Because we're joined today by our guest, Mr. Ron McNulty. Hey. You've had a uh, exceptionally busy week as well, so we're going to get to that in a minute. But I had a transition, so I wanted to introduce you. So welcome back. But thank I'm you. Gonna loop, I'm going to loop back real quick and just say, Guillaume, again, thank you very much. Uh, for what you do for the show, and we are incredibly fortunate to have you, not just for editing, but because look, uh, you're our friend, and it was, it's been great to have you around. Oh, ten years, ten years feels unbelievable. <laughs> I know, and uh, it's just, uh, well, you know, like what's a few hundred hours that I was going to waste anyway? You know, <laughs> jeez. I mean, that's what that that also applies to our listeners, though. That's true. Yeah. A few yeah. hundred hours a year, through, right? Yeah. yeah as, oh. as, as long as everybody's wasting time together, uh, you know, I guess that means something. You're not wasting time when you do it together. That's right. It's like it's family. It's just like this is this is this is the original family. Fuck you, Vin Diesel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he stole he stole our line, John. Uh, and he made he made millions of dollars doing it. Yeah. Um I don't know. I got to stick up for family. <laughs> it's he the villain. I guess. I mean, yes, yes, he's the villain. <laughs> he's absolutely the villain. By the way, I feel like we've uh, overlooked the clause where uh, I couldn't be seen to, to fail or to lose uh, in my contract. Um, yeah, so please. Oh. I did. did no, nah, I'm just saying, or be made to look like a fool or anything like that. Like that. It's the it's the Schwarzenegger yes. clause. Oh, oh yes, that, it's that's like, well, it's, yeah. It's like in, when they have to tie themselves in knots, like in the Running Man, where it's like, okay, it's oh, it's propaganda. It's like a CG thing that means oh, yeah. that Jesse Ventura is allowed to appear to beat Schwarzenegger because otherwise he must never be seen to 
be, have, you know, be, get anybody get the better of him at any point on screen ever. Well, the problem is that unlike Dom, we don't have a co-star who's significantly taller and bigger than you that you we will shoot many scenes with you standing on a box so that you can be eye to eye, which is a real thing that happens mm. in those movies. Uh, well, <laughs> there's no The Rock here to hang out with. What if we put you on uh, John's shoulders? And uh, I would. I'm not comfortable with where this is going. <laughs> no. I'm. I'm curious. Best well, you'd case definitely scenario, be bigger and taller. That's for sure. Best case scenario, I get power bombed. Like that's that's the best outcome for this because at least then I got power bombed, and that'd be pretty cool. Um. Ah. Uh, look. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think I'd. Uh, Please continue, James. No, there's nothing else to say. Yeah, I'm sorry like, for our re- <laughs> having brought the the podcast there, but anyway, thank you. Um, like, like, yeah, of course. Like, now I'm just imagining a TSI of two one person's like out, out of frame on another person's shoulders, screaming, "No, not that way, you fool!" As he walks into uh, traffic, and you dismiss Doctor mm. Goomba Tower. I and I was right to do so. Unlike, unlike someone here who was like, well, you know, the bottom Goomba could be a podiatrist. I'm like, none of them are qualified. So we are here to discuss a lot of things today. Um, we did a shorter episode last week where we talked about email, and we answered some some actually relatively uh, heavy email. So I actually really enjoyed listening to that episode. So I hope, I hope uh, you all did as well. Uh, but this week, we're probably going to focus more on the new business side of the house uh, because I wanted to start... Uh, with our guest today, Seren, we uh, invited you on because, as I said, you've had a, we'll call it interesting week. Uh-huh. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. So, your titles, and I'm pluralizing them because there's more than one, mm-hmm. is you are a producer at Dracnet, correct? Yes, I'm the producer of Dracnet and Friends. And you are also, is your title also producer at I Am 8-Bit? No, it's production manager of games. Production manager of games. Okay, there we go. That's a lot of that's a lot of job. You tell I have two jobs that I am eight bit. <laughs> All right, well, that's gonna do it for this week. Seren's got stuff to get back to. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I put out the physical games. Uh-huh. So um for example, uh, back in February, we launched Grim Fandango Remastered for the Nintendo Switch uh, with an O-sleeve and a uh, golden ticket to the number nine train and a replica matchbook from the Calavera Cafe. Uh, we That's shipped out to customers now. We've sold through our entire stock and are now doing pre-orders of a Wave 2. So I manage all of that and all of the upcoming stuff that I can't talk about, the upcoming games, the upcoming physical releases, the collector's editions, etc. Sure. Separately from that, I'm the producer of I Am Bit Presents, which is I Am Bit's new upcoming digital publishing label. I say upcoming. The first game is out in five weeks with Escape Academy, which is launching on June 28th on everything but Switch. So the... When when did they decide to get into actually publishing games though? Because this this is a this is a pretty significant step from where I mean they've been walking this way I suppose. So the first game they published digitally was Ori and the Will of the Wisps on Switch. Oh, I didn't. I 
for whatever reason, I never realized that I'm 8-Bit was Oh, I'm 8-Bit is the publisher of record of Ori and the Will of Wisps on Switch. And uh, beyond that, no comment. I um, did not know that. <laughs> but beyond that, in terms of, like, I'm 8-Bit presents as a label, that decision, I believe, happened in early 2020. Oh, wow. That's, it's, a, it's a fairly significant uh, expansion of their brand, I guess, would be the, the way to to word that. At least from where they had. I would been. agree. So I would agree, and so, um, so would my work calendar. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I have a lot of meetings. Also, Escape Academy has two game publishers. Oh God! Which means that there are so many coordination calls. Oh boy! With our good friends at Skybound Games, um, <laughs> and so. There are so many cooks in the kitchen. I think there are five PR companies on that game. Oh, boy. So if you haven't heard about it yet, someone's not doing their job right. I, I, I believe I have only received emails from one, which is a blessing. It is, it is always an ex- experience when you're getting a bunch of different companies and you're like, wait, who do I talk to about this thing? <laughs> yes. Um. Again, there's... You know, there's there's learning curves, but yes, so predominantly I work at t- two different companies. My day job is I am 8-Bit, and I continue to moonlight with Draconek and Friends. Uh, I have been with Draconek and Friends since the beginning of 2020. Okay. I was brought in about nine months before ship on a Monsters Expedition, and... Yeah, I've been with them ever since, and when I got the job at I Am 8-Bit, I scaled down all of my other commitments, but did not quit Dracodec and Friends because I love it too much. And so that brings us to the everything going on <laughs> this week. Yes. So there's two. Uh-huh. You want to talk about everything I've done in the last eight months that all happened today? Yeah. So there's like two distinct kind of threads to this, but I guess they're also interrelated in a way. Everything came to a culmination in the Dracneck Direct presentation that aired this morning. Yes. On five nineteen. Yes. So I guess I guess that's the starting point then, because that lets that can let us kind of spit into the other stuff. Yep. This, this is the second Dracneck Direct. Yeah, so last year in uh, July, or we released it in July of 2021, we started talking about it in January of 2021 as like, damn, we have too many fucking things going on. What's the announced plan for all this? And then we just kind of shrugged and said, let's just keep working on it and worry about comms later. (laughs) And then we just had this growing realization that everything was coalescing in the same two month span. Like, everything was going to release within, like, basically uh, a span of 10 weeks. And so we were like, well, let's just put on a video presentation to talk to our fans about it. And the individual beats, like, these, the Drac Deck Directs are not intended to be, um, like, we're not expecting Summer Game Fest numbers or E3 numbers or anything remotely like that. Uh, our expectation with those is basically we want to talk to our fans, our core audience, and then the individual announcements will then spin off from that and carry on with a life of their own with the respective audiences. 
Yeah, and and the, of course the PR campaigns for each of those games fire up after those kinds of announcements. Yep. And yeah, I've already gotten some of that, and, and that's that's kind of how You're all welcome. these these announcements. Oh, thank you. All these announcements presentations work is you know they, that's the announcement, and then the PR the PR comes out sort of individualized from there. Mm-hmm. So that also then goes to another thing that is going on right now. Would you would you care to explain that as well? Uh, there are so many things, uh, James, I legitimately don't know what you're alluding to. Oh, my God. Uh, now I, now I gotta go make sure I get the name exactly right, because you pushed a different name into my head now. <laughs> okay, yes, the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. Yes! Yeah. Okay, now I know. I won't, I won't go into what you pushed into my brain, but, <laughs> but a very similar combination of words. Konami decided they were gonna run a dollar store version of our event at the same time. Oh, it's it's really something. It's really something. Um, but uh, but using words that sound machine translated. Yes, it's like someone they took Cerebral Puzzle Showcase and spat it back and forth through every single language that Google Translate knows, and then they came out with what is it? Social Deduction Fest. <laughs> it's like not even a recent Google Translate, like 2007. Um. So what what is Cerebral Puzzle Showcase? So, um, the one sentence is, it's a Steam Festival to help people find their next favorite puzzle game. Okay. Um, the kind of shorter backstory on it is that Alan Hazelden, uh, who I guess his title is Head Drakneck at Drakneck, because he doesn't want to be called, like, studio director or anything. Uh, but if you see someone going around with the username Drakneck, that is him. Mm-hmm. I've um, seen him on Twitter just today. Yes. I bet you did. He and I, um, we, we chat all the time because the on a day-to-day basis, the studio is basically the two of us. And we were talking about how there are a, there's not a lot of um, user retention in the puzzle genre, like you might see in other genres. There's a lot of people who go and play Baba is You, or will play a Manifold Garden, or a Portal, or a Monsters Expedition, or a Stephen Sausage Roll, or a Talus Principle, or any of these like games that kind of can break out into a somewhat wider audience, or a much wider audience, depending on the title. And then they don't really stick around. And, and do y'all have thinking as to why some games can do that and others can't yes we can get to that another time if you're interested but that's gonna okay. take a while gotcha we we have uh, like we've been informally and semi-formally looking at data okay but basically we just came up with this mission of f- fuck it i'll do it or we'll do it ourselves like let's Also, uh, the Steam puzzle genre, like the puzzle tag, is, I think, the lowest grossing major genre on Steam. Huh. Like, it is just not, like, hentai visual novels make more money than puzzle games on Steam. And so, what we decided to do was we, uh, the first thing we did was we talked to Fellow Traveler, which is the game publisher that puts on Ludo Naracon every year, mm-hmm. uh, to get their learnings. 
And uh, then we went to Valve with basically our pitch. And they said, sounds like you might have something here. Why don't you go start seeing what games you could get? And so we started curating. And so the thing about Cerebral Puzzle Showcase is that there was no public sign-up. Uh, in fact, we only announced it one week before it started. Um, the lineup was basically us delving deep into the puzzle space to find underrepresented games that we love, new games to us that we fell in love with, games that really promising games that are coming up, and then also some really heavy hitters. Like, we have... Forgotten City, Return of the Oberdin, Inscription, Outer Wilds and its DLC, Gorgoa, Portal 1, Portal 2, Carto, Mist. Like, we have some of these really, really big titles. And so, if you actually look at our key art, you'll see the two biggest characters on the key art are from Portal and Outer Wilds. And it's not a coincidence. The idea is, we want people to come into this festival... Because thinking like, oh, I've played that. What's the, what are these other characters? And then walk away finding a new game. Mm. Uh, most of the games feature discounts from ten to eighty five percent, and there's actually like fifteen, fourteen, fifteen games that chose to launch today as part of the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. We have a feature. We have a featured section for like these are the games that are out today. Uh, so they, they need love to get off the ground. Um, like, honestly, we we ran the numbers today and we think, like, legitimately, like, haha, nine nine ninety nine biggest day in entertainment history or whatever. This might literally be the biggest day in the puzzle genre ever. <laughs> Between Cerebral Puzzle Showcase and the Dracneck Direct, it's very funny, but it might actually be. Um, and so, yeah, really, and we've partnered with a bunch of streamers that we love that are all trying out different puzzle games throughout this weekend. Uh, the downside to the show coming out on Sunday is that if it ends on Monday the 23rd. So if you're listening to this on Sunday the 22nd, I implore you, please go to Steam. Uh, we have front page placement. It's Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. Just click, click in and scroll through. See if anything catches your eye. We've broken out by uh, types of games. There's a hidden gem section. Um, there's all sorts of ways to filter the games and categorize them. But, like, really, the thing I want to just vouch for is that uh, we stand by every game. That, like, all of these games are of a very high quality. And even the ones that have, like, two user reviews. Like, every single one we stand by and we think people will love. And so that is kind of the intent behind the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. Again, it's like 130 games, uh, released and unreleased, combined. And yeah, big thank you again to everyone who's participating in this. The streamers, the developers, the publishers, uh, the people we asked and thought we would get told to fuck off and then sent us a thank you email. Hmm. It was like... I you were the long shot. What the fuck do you mean? Thank you. Um, so yes, just this is basically our 
attempt to, and this is really like not self-promotional. We did not even put Drakneck and Friends' name on this thing until Valve told us we had to. <laughs> uh, because they said we don't want people to think Valve is running it. That's that's um, fair. I, I, yeah. I get their concern. Yes, no, I get it. They're like, we do run events, actually, so you need to put something that shows it's not us. Um, but, yes, just really, really fond of this. Uh, we're playing with different formats for if we, were to, like, when the next one will be, what will it look like? Is this an every six month? Is this an every 12 month? Uh, we are, we're definitely uh, poking around at things, but already we are, like, less throw 10 hours in and we are just blown away by the success of this thing already that's 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 really really amazing i mean like it i i'm trying to think of when i caught wind this was going on but it it, it did feel like it 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 i don't use soft launch because it was very it seems like it's very there's a lot it's very suddenly was that it, rather than kind of like really announcing it far out and announcing it a lot a lot closer in, was that motivated more by keeping people's attention, or was it really just an attempt to be quiet about it into the lead up? Um, that was so. That was partially we wanted um, we wanted people to be able to be loud about it and keep keep the conversation going in a short period of time. Mm. Uh, part of it was a, we wanted to make sure that we have final assets and a final lineup of games. Gotcha. Uh, or mostly final lineup of games. But yeah, like we, we started to develop her outreach. The first developers that we asked, Hey, would you be interested in this? It was like three months before I was hired to IM8 bit. So that's what? that was like summer of last year. Yeah. It's been, it's been about a year. Yeah, so that was uh, like a, around the time of the first Drakneck Direct, which was like July of last year, uh, was when we started getting ga uh, games to come on. And of course, at first it was just our friends, the people that we were like, ha ha, hey, I'm talking to you all the time and you make puzzle games. Would you be willing to do this? Um, but yeah, and then it just kind of snowballed. Uh, we brought on Joseph Mansfield, who's been coordinating the streaming. He uh, streamed for four hours this morning at the kickoff of the event. God bless. God. Um, just playing like 20 minutes of as many different puzzle games as he could. Um, I couldn't do that, not because of the endurance even, but because I don't want to play a puzzle game on stream. Yeah, that could be really frustrating. <laughs> I love I love puzzle games and I love watching puzzle game streams, but I I would never, I would never. It's hard enough making like official game captures of puzzle games for like trailers. Oh, so even things like picking the streamers you were going to work with and stuff. How does that? Like, how do you? Is it just really just people sitting around and just? naming names and then going back and trying to figure it out or is it more formal than that um yeah i mean so i don't i'm not i don't want to get extremely specific no, no, I, just because i, understand. I yeah. don't want yeah just because like not everyone that we was on our initial list is participating sure for it, one reason or another yeah i guess i guess a a less specific question would be asking like so there's obviously not a ton of uh like i said there's there are some examples of this that have been done 
but it's not like there's a book written. This is how this. These are the kinds yeah. of people you look for to bring in. This is how you approach people. Like, obviously, having done it once now, there is an advantage if you were going to do it again because you can definitely you, you can point yeah to this and go like, hey, we did this. But yeah, no, I mean the. I think the first thing was we had to decide what we were looking for. Like we wanted to be able to answer internally the questions that the streamers were going to ask mm-hmm. before we even thought of who they were going to be, you know, and that's questions like, is this, are we, are we looking for them to be constantly like every 10 minutes being like this, this is sponsored by that. Is this a paid opportunity or a volunteer? Is this, um, is this something where if someone just goes on stream and plays Portal 2 for two hours and then signs off, is that satisfactory? Like, mm-hmm. there, are, there, were, there were kind of those fundamental questions to answer. And once we had answers to those, um, which generally the, the answer was we will leave this up to the streamer right. for almost all of that, um, we reached out to a bunch of streamers that like, honestly the first people we worked with just because they're already in our Rolodex, so to speak, were the people were the streamers that like, we really enjoyed playing our games. Okay. Like the monsters expedition and bonfire peaks were like, Hey, we have relationships with these people already. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of those people were cis white men. So then we, then we took a pause, reevaluated our list, expanded it out in a bunch of different directions, reached out to those people, came back, did it get like did one more pass, invited in, like a third round, and by the end of it, we have a stream calendar uh, that if you go to uh, the Steam page for Cerebral Puzzle Showcase, you can watch seven hours of puzzle game streams every single day of the event. Jeez. And it's not all live because we found out, we remembered very late in the process that anyone who's a Twitch partner or a Twitch affiliate actually has signed away 24-hour exclusivity to all of their streams. Like, legal, like officially, you can't be uploading like YouTube archives within 24 hours. Oh, and I totally forgot about that. I didn't think about that. So that was a fun thing where we're like, oh, shit. So there's a lot of people who are streaming right now as you record Thursday night that are going to be on the Steam page on like Sunday morning. Ah, see, I'm I was act, I'm actually surprised to hear there isn't some something worked out there between those two players. But I guess Mm-mm. I guess everybody in that space is holding a knife to everybody else at those. Yep. So don't give an inch. So that was pretty much we just didn't want to trample anyone's toes. Like really, like it it wasn't that like Twitch reached out to us about our plans or anything like they caught wind. It was really just like we realized two weeks ago that this was going to be an issue and then reached out to all the streamers and basically said, Hey, if you're a Twitch partner or an affiliate, we don't want this celebration of puzzle games to be something that gets you in trouble with Twitch <laughs> and gets you into a legal dispute. So let's just figure out a way to rebroadcast you. That makes sense. And I, I, I guess in a, is that, is that how other events have handled it? Honestly, I have no idea. Okay. Hmm. I, I, I do. There is obviously there's a social media component to this um, as well. Mm-hmm. That seems seems very active. Uh, is, we made a whole Twitter account just for this showcase because we knew right away that anyone who follows me or 
Alan Hazelden Dragneck uh, does not necessarily want to see every single tweet about this because Fair. it's it's dozens and dozens of developers tweeting about their game with the with variations of the key art. It's dozens and dozens of str- or about a dozen dozen and a half streamers saying going live with this, going live with that. So we we, we just we got at Puzzle Showcase because just no one was sitting on that handle on Twitter. So you can follow us at, at Puzzle Showcase. Do you intend to keep that Twitter account active between this and any future events? TPD. Okay. I I wonder genuinely. I I will say that the um we tried something new with mailing list uh, on the cerebralpuzzleshowcase.com website. We have the uh there is a sign up form that we just said like hey put in your email and we'll tell you when this is live, and you punched it in, and we got a surprising number of signups for that. Hmm. And that is its own bespoke email list. You're, like, if you sign up for that, you're not getting our marketing emails. You're literally just getting, it's live. And if we announce another one, we'll probably send an email saying, another one's coming up. And then we'll send another email saying, it's live. But like, in the email we sent out today, like there was a line that was, I forget what the final wording of it, but like the original pass was like, you're probably not going to see another one of these in a long time. So thank you for signing up. Hmm. It, the it, push marketing is a, is a really interesting topic because in general, and, and I deal with this some through work, so mm-hmm. I'm going to speak in generalities. Um, it's if people actively pursue it, it it tends to be fairly effective, but it's very rare in the statistical for somebody to say, "Yes, I would like for you to push marketing at me." Yeah. So the I I'm legitimately impressed at how this has come together because it seems incredibly convoluted uh, convoluted complicated this was one of the thousand things that happened today this was one of them <laughs> dude and, and like like you said you had you had the the Dracneck direct at the literally yeah. launching today which ends mm-hmm. with a call to action to go to go look at the cerebral puzzle showcase. No, it doesn't. There's well, two things. After well, all right, that. fine. The, the, it, it is at near the end. Let me, yes. let me correct that. There are two things after it. Yes. It, it's, it's, it won more things after that. And then it won more things again. Oh, uh, I mean, do you want to just quickly go through the run of show and see yeah. if you want to talk about anything? No, that's, that's fine. Um, our first thing. So the, the presentation, you can go watch it. It's a, it's literally 11 minutes long. Yep. Uh, and that was a very conscious decision of like no one's. It doesn't fucking no one's gonna watch a thirty-five minute drop deck direct. Are you kidding me? Well, and and, well, like, and th- this the kinds of games that it, that you show in it don't really benefit from like here's a twelve minute hands on video of them. Exactly. So we we wanted to get in get out within the first uh, minute. We've made three announcements. Yeah, and we and we also take time to do introductions. Um. Yes, so the first thing is a Monsters Expedition. Uh, we released a hint update for every platform, which is a really cool feature where any puzzle in the entire game, including like the meta puzzles where you're trying to find secrets, you can, uh, and the game will not push this on you, but you can prompt in and just get a hint. And like, here's where the logs need to end up. Here's Here's where you should start looking. Like, things like that. Um, and that was really, really fucking cool to see. 
and to put out into the world. And then uh, also, maybe in retrospect, looking at the coverage, maybe we should have trumpeted this a little bit harder. Uh, we released the game on PS4 and PS5 today. Yeah, it, it and I, I knew that, and that wasn't the immediate takeaway from the coverage. So I, I, I think I think you're you're onto something there. Yeah, but yeah, those are very good versions, especially the PS5 version. Um, but yes, that is, I think, unofficially, I could I. This is not me officially speaking on behalf of Dracknack, but I think we're finally done porting that game. Uh, so, I, I mean, what's it on now? It's on everything but Xbox. Okay. Well, it's not on Android because we're on Apple Arcade, so we can't be on Android. Gotcha. But it's on PC, Mac, Linux, Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5. So almost everything at this point. It's on the Itch and the Epic Game Store. God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it's very fun when you're making um, like a checklist of all the things you need to do on this day where you have a million things going live. And then you realize at like 10 p.m. when like you've closed your computer down. Fuck, I need to go back and add release the patch on the Epic Game Store. Because <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, we love I love our partners at Epic. I don't know what I'm talking about. Why I would forget to. Anyways. Um, we also, on at the same time, speaking of patches that came out, uh, released a photo mode update for Bonfire Peaks, which is just a small, fun thing. And then we also announced a trilogy of DLC. Uh, so we announced three pieces of paid, paid DLC for Bonfire Peaks. It's coming to all platforms, which is, again, on everything but Xbox, except Bonfire Peaks is not on mobile. So it's- is it actually a trilogy? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's going. To, it's not going just to be... not just a triumvirate. It's a trilogy. Literally, yes. John wants to know if they are canonically related to each other in a yes, sequential order. Well, I I just don't like to see the phrase trilogy just kind of thrown out there incorrectly. You know, it's no, like I have are, expectations. Our the way we are framing it is so the DLC is titled Bonfire Peaks Lost Memories, and we're not giving anything away about the story, but it's a you're going to get chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Chapter one's going to be in Q three of this year. And each one adds new puzzles, but more importantly... Uh, you cowards, we're not starting at chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> Only George Lucas um, has that kind of power. So, all of those announcements, by the way, were happened within the first two minutes of this presentation. Yeah, that checks out. Uh, then I took the stage because everyone forced me. Uh, I was originally going to be on camera for this until... I had a take on camera, and then everyone saw it and said, "No, you can you can do voiceover," <laughs> <laughs> which is very which is very funny. Um, where I announced the biggest conflict of interest of all time, which is I am Apeit or I am Apeit is putting out a Monsters Expedition plus earlier adventures, which is. Monsters Expedition, Cosmic Express, A Good Snowman is Hard to Build, and Sokoban on a single Nintendo Switch cartridge. So it's one of those ones where you put the Switch cartridge into the Switch and four icons pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are also putting out a 2X LP vinyl soundtrack that has the soundtracks to all four games. Uh, we also put out a YouTube video of all the soundtracks that you can put on and work to, and we literally call it, uh, what is it? It's, um, I like the name, 
I'm trying to find it. Lo-fi monster beats to chill and puzzle to. Oh, jeez. Uh, is <laughs> uh, is very funny. Uh, I literally felt compelled to mention this in the presentation. This was signed before I got the job offer. Yeah, I was going to say, this one is particularly like we have to include the disclaimer of you worked on it because now it's it's – both sides mm-hmm. of your job. Yes. Or jobs. So, so frequently, like, the workflow at IMA, but, like, a lot of it is, like, we work on something, we get internal approval, we get developer approval. Then we go back and work on it, then we get internal approval, we get developer approval. This this one went very fast because I was able to give developer approval. <laughs> does, it does help when you're the yes Yep, pretty much. Was like someone was like, "Is that brand accurate?" And I'm like, "Here's what Alan will say, and here's what I say." And they're like, "Are you sure you should ask Alan?" And then Alan types in literally verbatim what I said was going to happen. I'm like, "It's fine." Uh, the next announcement was a very goofy trailer, but uh, Soka Bond is on phones, and that probably means literally nothing to this audience, but. Sokoban for iOS and Android was promised in 2012. <clears throat> and so the trailer opens with going to the Wayback Machine, going to Sokoban.com, clicking through the times, and then a cascade of tweets that Alan promised it over a decade. Oh, jeez. It's out now. Hey! <laughs> um, there's our vaporware. That story is closed. Uh, we showed off a bunch of footage of Sokomon Express, which was our one more thing from last year. Uh, this is a game from uh, Jose, a developer in Venezuela, that we are publishing and we are assisting with development on, but it's very much Jose's game. Uh, it is the crossover sequel to both Sokoban and Cosmic Express at the same time. And it's a lot of fun. There's a demo available now as part of the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase, and that is the segue we used in the presentation. Yes. Um, then there was another one that we announced at the start of the week, which is the Dracneck New Voices Puzzle Grant. Uh, mostly because we didn't want this to be announced in the presentation because we were worried that this would make us feel like self-congratulatory the short version is that there's a grant pool of 120,000 us dollars for underinvested in uh, diverse voices that wants to get into making puzzle games uh there's kind of two tiers there's a five hundred five thousand dollar grant opportunity set for people that need a small investment and a twenty thousand dollar uh grant tier for people who are like more actively working on a project that could use that. And like the way that we're kind of pitching it is broadly speaking, $5,000 is investing in the person. $20,000 is investing in a project. Mm-hmm. But this is just, you know, if Cerebral Puzzle Showcase is about trying to show the strengths of the puzzle genre, the Dracnite New Voices Puzzle Grant is about trying to invest in the future strength of the genre. And trying to help get more more people uh, started in development, more people comfortable with development. You can go read the terms uh, on our website, which is like grants.dracknack.org. The short version is we own nothing, 
and this is basically just you get you get money and you get mentorship if you want it. That's it's, pretty cool. It's really like pretty much the best terms on planet Earth for money. Um, and then our one more thing was uh we are publishing Patrick's Parabucks on Switch, which is fucking cool. That game blew up two months ago. And this was going to be our one more thing, no matter how well it was received at launch. Mm-hmm. I was like, for those who haven't seen it, can you can you explain it? No, because uh, I was gonna say because I can't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the my impression I was left with, I had no prior uh, familiarity mm-hmm. with this, but it kind of looked like uh, you're kind of. Um, a, a pushing the top down block pushing game yes. but where the a block that you're pushing can actually be like a field of play unto itself and you kind of move from one to the other so it's like you know block puzzles within block puzzles or something yeah so it's boxes within boxes within boxes within boxes is the way that we is the way that it's been pitched uh it is the simple goal is get boxes to their destination and get your character to their destination and that's all the goal is the catch is that you can enter boxes if they have an entrance you can exit them in different directions you get smaller when you enter you get bigger when you exit you can keep zooming in and out of the play field indefinitely so you can keep looping and you have to keep that recursive thinking non-stop in your head as you're exploring the play area it is wild. It is just like a fucking amazing top-tier puzzle game. Uh, as you might guess by the name Patrick's Parabox, the developer is Patrick, uh, Patrick Trainer. Um, super, super, super excited. Um, that was a game that was our most c- closely kept secret that, that was going to be part of this presentation, that we were working on that. Uh, mostly because we wanted to make sure that the PC version went off without a hitch and wasn't didn't have our name on it because we didn't want to take away, take that away from Patrick Trainer who had been working on the game for years. Like really wanted that game to stand on its own, get its own following, and then we come in and say we have the console rights, basically. Uh, so we're we're gonna we're working on porting that. Uh, there's no announced release date or release window, so. Uh, really just our messaging is, yes, it's coming to Switch th- through us. Please stay tuned. Cool. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask right now, how tired are you? Uh, I think I still have some adrenaline left. Well, when it's, when it's gone, I'm going to crash. I got like three hours of sleep, my dude. Oh, no. Uh, do you want to know one other thing that is easily overlooked that also happened today? What's that? Uh, Escape Academy. Yes. I mean, if it uh, presents its first game, has a playable demo on Steam as part of the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. All, all the synergies today for you. <laughs> Everyone at work just keeps telling me to be more corrupt. I mean, you know. Because I'm literally in my head, I'm like, I can vouch for this game to be included, but I shouldn't be the person who decides if it's included. And they're oh. like, oh. Make it included. And then they're like, how high up on the page can you get it? <laughs> can you... You're getting streamers to play games, huh? Can you send them all of them Escape Academy keys and just see what happens? 
Jeez. And I'm like, oh my god. By the way, PR does work like this. You will sometimes get sent keys to like, hey, if you if you can play this, you can have the key. And I'm like, my dude, you already put it in the email. Yeah, but <laughs> that is that was a very funny, just like, hey, like literally being told to my face, you should be more corrupt in our favor. Great. <laughs> Welcome to work. Welcome to um, corporate world. Yeah. So yes, it, it, this is a big, big day. Th- this, uh, I mean, this obviously, if you're able to put this out, you and the other people involved in planning all all of this, and I'm waving my hands wildly at an empty room, um, have to have a lot of passion for ultimately what's what's the guiding here, which is this uh, a sort of an an, ab- an abiding love of puzzle games. Definitely. So I'm going to ask you probably the softest of softball questions right now of the games in the entire uh, Steam event. If somebody's only got time to check out one or two, what would you recommend? Um, I would say uh, working down the list, if you have – if you saw the Patrick's Parabox trailer or you heard me talking about it and you're like, what? What the fuck? And you don't want to wait an indefinite amount of time for the Switch version? I don't blame you. Go grab it. Go grab Patrick's Parabox. I would say that's number one on the list. Um, you should be playing that. See what that is. Um, I would say, like, I like the games I work on a great deal, but, like, <laughs> asking me this softball question, it's hard to... <laughs> um, it's I'm a hard journalist! To, yes, name, my, like, name the games that we work on. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, A Little to the Left, which is a game, almost no games got added to the lineup between the announcement and the commencement, because it was seven days, but, because we, like, we had capped it internally, and then I saw this game, and then we uncapped it and snuck this game in. Hmm. Um, it's not out yet, there's a demo. It is a game about organizing, uh, like organizing a house, organizing chaos in a calm way, uh, kind of unpacking vibes. It's really interesting because you look at a screen and the first thing you have to do is organize things in a way that you find the puzzle and then you solve the puzzle. And then also just to add a little bit of chaos, sometimes your pet cat comes in and knocks everything over. Uh, it's very wholesome, very cute. There's a demo out now. I really strongly recommend it. It's, and I'm that's a so little happy to the left. A little to the left. Okay. Um, and I'm just gonna give my as always shout out. Out of every game I've ever worked on in my career, my favorite game to play is, is still a Monsters Expedition, and that is not just on the I'm Epic cartridge, which you should get because. Uh, <laughs> Do the math. I make money on that somehow. Um, All the disclaimers in the world go here. Yes. But that's also on Steam right now for 35%. And that hit update really is a great boon for approachability. Um, Not using the accessibility word because that is a different Right, that's different. That's a different con. That's different. This is about the game being friendly to players at different skill levels. Exactly. And we have accessibility options. Like we have the ability to turn off camera tilt, the ability to... There's an open dyslexic font in the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's stuff we do there. But 
the kind of approachability, th this idea of the hint update that can guide you whenever you get stuck is something that is really, really exciting. And so I would say if, if you really only have a chance to get a couple, I would say download the demo to a little to the left, pick up Patrick's Parabox if you want to play that on PC, and then find a platform to go play a Monsters Expedition on. Cool. I, I would say congratulations, but I think at this point you'd probably just prefer sleep. Uh. <laughs> I like I like being able to talk about this stuff you, after when, I don't know when you a year when you asked like hey you know we've got stuff coming do you want me down the show I was like are you sure <laughs> are you sure you want to do that <laughs> I'm like yeah. Mostly just because, like, I knew, obviously, when I sent that, I sent that earlier this week. Right. You I, you didn't know the lineup. No. But I did. And I was like, there is, there is going to be stuff to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of overwhelming to talk about. E even just hearing it at this point, like, it gives, it, it gives more context for, you know, what... Every, everyone kind of does it now um, with, the, with the patterned on the direct format. But, like, it gives context to the ones who do it well, how much work goes into it. But then you also have the Steam event part, where it's like, oh, this is a whole separate initiative. That's also a lot of work. And don't forget the grant. Yeah. Which, like, yes. that cannot be understated how many meetings. And, like, also, like, turns out there's a lot of lawyers involved yeah, when, in getting a grant money, off the ground. Once money's involved... Then it's Once money and legal terms are involved, yeah. yeah. And taxes. Um, I do want to give a sh quick shout uh, really fast before I forget. Applications for that uh, grant opportunity close July 3rd. Oh, where, and where again can people go and Grants.draconek.org. All the information is there. Sign-up forms. The sign-up forms are as short as we could possibly make them. <laughs> the lawyers will have a say in this. No, like, like truly, like we were like, like, like originally they were like twice as long, and like the five k grant was like, what project are you working on? And we were like, we don't need that information. Mm. Cut. It's like we we cut out as much as we can to make it a seamless plot process. So please, if you are really truly, if you're diverse in literally any way, anyway, <laughs> um. And you are either working on a puzzle game or you are um, considering it or you, you know someone who is, please, please, please send them our way. Uh, we define a puzzle game in this sense as a game in which coming up with the solution in your head is is the challenge of the game and not execution or input. Oh, that's that's an interesting question then for for like the event as well. Like how would the puzzle game is not We defined Outer Wilds as a puzzle game and Tetris is not. Wow. Okay. That 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 is our line is if the execution is in your head, the gameplay is in your head, the gameplay is not about dexterity or input. Huh. I see. So it's it that 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 second corollary, what it's not about, I guess, really is what 
is what at least gives some parameters around a lot of stuff. And we have to have parameters, right? Like, yeah. I, I will be I will be honest. The original working title of this event was Thinky Puzzle Fest <laughs> because that's not a good name. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not a good name. But like in turn, like casually, fans of this will call it like the Thinky Puzzle Game genre, mm-hmm. and that that's what they mean. Is like these are puzzle games that are not about real time like stressful and difficult real time input. And that is not to say that those games are not puzzle games. It's just that we are we are focusing on a very, very specific angle. Right. That and that is our angle. I gotcha. And so and that that does with that information, it clarifies the intention of the name, I guess is the better way of putting it. Yep. Cerebral Puzzle Showcase or uh, Social Deduction Fest. Oh God, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> My favorite part is that uh, Valve looked at their event calendar and said, "These are the best days for you." Is is that how it works? That's how it worked for us. We said we wanted to go in mid-May. Uh, this was this conversation happened in, like December or January. They penciled us in for this weekend, and that has been our North Star with everything else. Every other project that we have that was relevant for this Direct uh, fell in line with the Cerebral Puzzle Showcase. What? What? So I guess somebody at, at Valve knew, and they're like... Somebody at Valve knew that we had both and found it very funny, I'm guessing. They're like, oh, this will be great. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a good time. <laughs> Social Deduction Fest. What a name. Just... Anyways, as far as new business is concerned, please forgive me if I haven't been playing a no, lot of games. No, that's, that's fine. You know what? I think I think we're good on that front. Um, Cool. The, this... I've been playing a lot of games that are as p- part of this festival as they applied during the last week. I, I can imagine. Um, I have a lot of questions that I know I'm going to get the, I can't talk about that right now answer. So I'm going to, I'm going to forego them as much fun as it would be to ask them and get 10 minutes of, I can't answer that right now. Amazing. Yeah. It's good audio. This is like when someone tries to ask me what I do at work. (laughs) I'm like, I'll tell you when it's done. Well, I thought that was more because the answer is yes. I do. I do. Yes. I do much. Um, well, Hopefully you get to at least enjoy this weekend, because good lord. I mean... I mean, I'm going to be watching Puzzle Fest streams. <laughs> there you go. That's at least that's at least relatively uh, relaxing. Uh, well, again, congratulations. Uh, Thank you very much. This, this seems to have been everything you could have hoped it would be. Uh, it, like, truly is a culmination of so much of my career in, like, one hour <laughs> to the point where it was just, like, overwhelming. Uh, well, enjoy it, and uh, good luck. Hopefully this, uh, hopefully this, it, the rewards for this are more than just, you know, the money element of it, which obviously are important. But it accomplishes the goal you guys set out to do, which is to promote this genre of game on Steam. Fingers crossed. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. I think we're at about an hour. I could just look at Audacity and confirm that, but that's not the kind of host I am. I heard somebody we are. click. We are, James. I heard somebody click. Is was that you, John? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not over here clicking and clacking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an old engine. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna do some some new business. So stay tuned. 
We are back with, I did not say listener mail, with new business. And John, as our returning uh, panelist, who I'm sure listened to last week's episode and has lots of thoughts on what we talked about, but I'm yeah, going to ask none of first. which I will cover here, James. Uh, n- none of which oh, I will cover here. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just uh, I, I want to keep this. I want to keep my content focused. I want to keep it what, uh, uh, riveting. What what games did we talk about during new business last week, John? Um, just many. You know, there's so many. I just can't. Even. We, didn't, we didn't do new business last week, John. It was email only. <laughs> you son of a bitch! You got me again, James Jones. You got me again. It's an email episode. It's an hour long. Go listen to it. You son of a bitch. All right. What do you been, what do you been what do you been playing, John? All right. I have been playing um actually uh, I haven't really been playing I've been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls online. It has nothing to do with this. However, uh I did actually manage to snag a Nintendo 64 controller which just arrived today. Um so I'm going to be, you know, playing some uh I literally just asked him what he was going to talk about. And he's yeah, like, I, I know, I know, but I mean, I don't have much to say about it. So you know, it's like I, okay. again, again, I'm trying to keep my content. We're we're, we're vamping. Chunky, I get it. Chunky. I get it. Right. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So and, and it's just interesting because pretty much I, I took it out of the packaging and I said, "Wow, this is this is basically a wave bird." Cool. Um, so wait, what? <laughs> no, it's not a wave bird. Well, just but you know what I'm saying. It's like it's just it's funny seeing one of those things, seeing a Nintendo controller. Just it's always it always weirds me out when I see like the sort of like the wireless sort of thing. It's just it's weird having one of those controllers that's that's it, wireless. One of those old style controllers is just always weird. Right. Me out. It, it's it feels so much like the thing you're used to, but then it's different in this really appreciable and obvious way. Yeah. Um. So it's it's charging right now, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely same crack crack open some games uh, with you know some uh, some absolutely uh, you know. Terrible muddy graphics and and some uh, questionable camera controls. Hey, hey! Don't forget the fog. Don't forget <laughs> hey, the fog. Hey, how can we forget our friend the fog? Right. Um, yeah, but uh, that, that's actually that's funny because uh, that those N sixty four controllers. It's crazy. Those things kill Nintendo's website. I mean, people. Those things are in such high demand. Um, I actually try was trying repeatedly to put my order through on the Nintendo store. And uh, eventually, my order actually did go through, but I gave like I gave up. Um, so my order, so I placed an order, but it, I think the the site errored out, so I had no idea the order was placed. But I got an email, probably about a half an hour later, saying that the order was placed, which was cool. Um, I also threw in, but here's here's where they get you. That N64 controller was forty nine ninety nine. Free shipping on the Nintendo Store is fifty dollars. So they priced that thing one cent short of free shipping. So what I did, because I'm smart, is I got a $30 Metroid Fusion t-shirt. So take that, Nintendo. Take that. Congrats. So instead of spending seven more dollars for shipping, I spent 30 more dollars to get myself a shirt. Because I'm sticking it to the man. People don't you, seem really impressed it. by that. But I'm, uh, No, I'm... I'm, I'm intimidated i think is the right word to use here yeah right, maybe i'm coming out of the maybe i'm coming out of the gate a bit too strong that's what happens after. i mean i think you just blew the do- you blew I, the gate you know, off this the is what happens after you know once when i'm kind of on the bench for a couple of weeks you know um, right right now so right now you are the winner of the kentucky derby attacking the race marshals after the race that's what you're doing right now <laughs> but the race hasn't run yet so you're attacking the race marshals before so the be race it. well they deserved it so <laughs> They aren't even real marshals. Why does, why does he not? Why does the bigger horse simply not eat the other horses? I, mean, I believe is the uh, 
the question in play here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm going to be playing around with that. Um, but really, so, you know, I, I, you know, went and up and visited the fam up in Canada. So had about a four-hour flight up there, four-hour flight back. Um, so I decided to dig into, of course, I mentioned before I left, I had gotten Reggie Fee's Ames book, uh, Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. And so I was able to get through all of that on the two flights. <laughs> That's not that's not a great review start. I was able to get through it. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty short book. Um I can't say I'm super enthralled by it or was super impressed by it. I, it's kind of a shrug of the shoulders to me, especially coming off of something like Askewada. Um where Askewada, I mean I just I mean that that is also a short book, but every single chapter in that book is really really interesting and i just i ate that book up i mean i i went through that book in no time flat just because all of it is so interesting just to hear iwata's approach to things and you know just his various just his thoughts on everything cuz he's such a fascinating guy um this book is more it's more businessy it, it's actually more of kind of a like the structure of the book is that reggie will tell a story or some sort of business thing that he had to tackle and then at the end of the chapter, he'll give you sort of the moral of the story, um, which is fine. It's very businessy. If you're looking for a Nintendo book specifically that tells Nintendo stories about the development of games and the inspiration for certain games, this is not that book. This book is more of almost like a, hey, you manage a team, and here's my experiences, and here's how you might be able to apply those experiences and my learnings to you managing a team in corporate America. So it's pretty dry it has some interesting stories but a lot of it like i mean he talks about like he, he talks about bigfoot pizza of course does uh, he really yeah he does and he, there's like i mean there's a whole chapter on it practically and but but the thing is though <laughs> but the thing is though like it's it goes yes. it goes into sort of the the structure of um i guess would have been maybe i guess would be uh Yum brands at that time, I guess. I guess it's yeah, Yum brands. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, but it, but it, it's it's more stories about like, oh well, I had to get this advertising campaign going because you know he's a marketing ad exec, right? So, right. oh yeah, I had to get this, um, I had to get this marketing campaign going, but in order to do that, I had the had to have the buy in from all of the different franchisees on the West Coast. So I had to go to this guy and talk to that guy, and it's just like I just don't. It, there's just stuff in that book I just don't care about. Like I do not care about the ins and outs of how to get a marketing plan going for pizza on the West Coast or in the Seattle area. Like it's just I mean, really... I would think the Seattle area would be very interested in Bigfoot pizza personally. Hey, but... you would you would think. Um or at least there would be big feet, if that's the plural of Bigfoot, big Bigfoots, uh big that foots. would that would be interested in pizza in the Seattle area, but I digress. <laughs> Bigfoot um, pizzas in your area. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's just a lot of stuff like that where you just kind of read through it and you're like, okay, cool. Um, it's not really too super interesting. And then it, they're kind of disappointing in the sense that, like, the stuff where like he could have gotten juicy, he doesn't really dive into it. Like in mm. particular, they talk about like how they named the Wii. He literally devotes like, like, a paragraph to that. He just pretty much says, "Yeah, we named it the Wii, and we wanted it to be inclusive." And he just goes on with it. Like, there's, he doesn't even touch on any of the behind-the-scenes stuff or, like, any debates around that name. Like, why, like, whether he liked the name, didn't like the name, 
the reaction to the name. Like, he just says, yeah, we named it the Wii because, you know, it sounds like the word Wii, W-E, and we wanted to communicate that, you know, it was about more than one person playing it. And he just goes right, gone, right past it. And it's like, okay, cool. Whereas, like, I feel like in, you know, something like Ask Awada, like, he would have dove into that and really talked about, you know... how they came up with that and and what they were worried about and there's a little bit of that on other topics in this but not a lot and of course the the askawada wasn't written as a book like there's there's this weird dichotomy of these two where mm-hmm. reggie's writing a book very cognizant that you know he's on look he's not an old man but no. he he is at the you know in, not, I don't want to say the twilight years implies he's older than he is but he's he's any acts that he has following at this point forward are going to be smaller acts than the one he's had. You know, he's already reached the apogee of his career. Yeah. Um, and so this is, this is sort of a reflection, possibly, uh, varnishing his image, varnishing. No, that's the word I want. Not varnishing his image. Burnishing. Uh, yeah. Burnishing. There we go. Yeah. His, uh, you know, he's, he's essentially reflecting on himself and and sort of writing his own, that you know the the concluding act to his own story, whereas of course the Askawada is just a collection of interviews he was having and these sort of conversational settings with with his peers. Where of course you know we know that the Awada Ask segments were really good, but we also know that most of the questions he asked he already knew the answer. So yeah. it wasn't like he was just, he was like digging out deep mysteries, like even the one with Goddard. Like there, are, he's basically asking Goddard, like, "How did you end up in Japan?" And then Goddard starts answering it, and then he jumps in and finishes the story because yeah, exactly. he knows. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, because they come out of such different contexts, I, I can see why the Awada one would feel more not necessarily sincere is not necessarily the word I want, but but you know what I mean, like more. Yeah. Um, open-ended and less like I'm just going to talk about this thing and I'm going to talk about that thing and I could also see I'm surprised he doesn't dig into something like the Wii because obviously it's probably one of the most consequential decisions that were made that was made yeah. from a branding standpoint I mean he talked yeah I mean he talks about the Wii and he talks about um like he, he does it's not that he ignores stuff like that but there's just there's certain things that I feel like kind of um might have been controversial that he just kind of just doesn't really dig into i mean anything i mean he talks about some disagreements that he has with iwata but it's more sort of like um you know how to make friends and influence people kind of thing where it's oh well uh in order to get in order to get my point across to iwata i had to approach it this way so what you Mm -hmm. can learn from that is when somebody is not hearing what you're saying maybe you should you know package it a different way like you know it's that kind of advice and so it's not like the book is not really about what goes on at nintendo it's about what situations happened at nintendo that allowed him to that taught him something or uh kind of like uh, made him look at something a certain way you know it's sort of like so it's it's more about like his business teachings slash learnings than it is about Nintendo, per se. Right. It just happens to have some stories about Nintendo along the way. So it, it really speaks to his audience. Then he was targeting exactly. business people. Yeah, it really is. It really is a businessy kind of book. Um, and, and these all like semi-celebrity CEOs, even the celebrity CEOs, do tend to write these. 
mm-hmm. because they can get a book deal. Like this is what it comes down yeah. to. It's not. It's not because they they feel like they have some great insights to offer. Oftentimes they're approached. Would you write a book? Yeah. Or or their agent says, "Hey, you should write a book. I'll go around and see who's willing to pay for you to write a book." Um. And so they, you know, they jam out 115 pages to 250 pages, or if they hire a ghostwriter, 300 pages, mm-hmm. and off it goes. Um. So yeah, I, I'm. I guess then you wouldn't expect there, with that being the audience, you wouldn't expect deep dives into into Nintendo-y stuff because the target audience probably doesn't care. Yeah, and and I think a lot of the. I think a lot of the interesting stuff during this period would have happened at NCL anyways. Right. Like he's more, he's more in this, at this point he was more of in the position of trying to be an advocate for Nintendo of America where other people might not have. And he does talk a lot about that, how he was one of the first American executives, if not the first American executive to really kind of interject himself, interject himself into a lot of the NCL um, goings on. Right. And, and, and it's it's about, you know, he talks about like making allies, like, you know, I, I got close to this guy in development, um, because I really wanted to know because he was close to the development goings on in Japan. And I wanted to be, I wanted to have a voice or know what was going on with games and development in Japan sort of thing. So it's more about how he nav, how he navigates the corporate structure and, how he, you know, learns to kind of make his way through Nintendo and and deal with NCL, um, and and stuff like that. So, so I think there, that like that sounds like that could be useful information in that context. Although there are dozens of books written about the same ideas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds to me like you're not recommending Nintendo fans with an interest in business go out and run and pick this thing up. No, I mean it's just it's um. A lot and a lot of the advice is is kind of surfacey, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much like sort of like okay. <clears throat> I just by the end of the book, I was kind of like okay, Reggie, like cool, like at least you wrote this book to pat yourself on the back. Like, does it does it feel like he's trying to be helpful, or does it feel like he's trying to be like yo, look at me? Uh, it's kind of more the latter to me. By the end of the book, I was like, all right, I get it. But a lot of this stuff is just sort of like, okay, here's here's what I learned. Well, as a leader. It's on you to make the tough choices. Ultimately, it comes down <laughs> to you. So, and it's like, yeah, okay, like that's you, fairly at obvious. Some point, does he write like the buck stops here, or so, yeah. so? Like that's pretty much what it's like. That's pretty much what one of the chapters is. It's like, yeah, like as a leader, you're the one. Like you know, you have to take you have to take input and get trusted advisors. But the bucks, you know, the buck kind of the buck stops with you, sort of thing. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's some really insightful, incisive uh, business to business advice. Three thoughts there. First off, bullshit. Shit rolls downhill in a corporate environment, um, <laughs> and I, I work in one, and it always rolls downhill. Always, <laughs> it always rolls. Like even when you weren't involved, you just need to get out of the way because it's coming down the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, uh, what you are describing. Hey, here is a lesson I learned. And here is a story that goes with it. And this is how you I'm going to apply that going forward is the exact same process I use to write my annual performance reviews. So what you are describing is mm-hmm. Reggie fils annual performance reviews <laughs> as a book, which is just which honestly, if that's what they actually were, I would be fucking thrilled to read it. 
because yeah. I bet they would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, but this is some sanitized, like, advice book version of them, which is way less interesting. Like, if we could yeah. just get his... His his self avowal for every year he was at Nintendo, I bet they would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny that you use like kind of the word sanitized because this feels the the book feels very very sterile. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like it's not. I, I don't feel like it's written with a lot of personality. Like I don't feel like I don't feel like I know Reggie any better than I did before reading but- this book. But that's the thing that's so wild. Like that's what he was best at, at least at least yeah. outwardly, is marketing himself. That's yeah. Like I mean, it still feels like it still feels like kind of like the cardboard cutout Reggie to me. This book, mm. you know, and it talks about like how he grew up and stuff like that. But it's all very much like kind of surfacey, like. I uh, you know, I, Wikipedia. it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, I grew up in the Bronx and we moved out of the Bronx when there was a shooting in the, the tenement houses that we were in and we moved to Brentwood, Long Island and Brentwood, Long Island was better. And then I, um, you know, was in high school and I was doing pretty well, but I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And it's just kind of like, just very sort of like, there's no like real anecdotes or interesting stories or anything that like really kind of gives you an idea of, you know, like his kind of development. Like it's all very much like sort of like a a timeline kind of thing. Like not like a, oh yeah, here's an interesting story or here's a funny story or here's something poignant. It's just very much like the the difference between a biography, an autobiography and, um, oh crap, I just lost the word, memoirs. Yeah. Like memoirs, you're not going to give like here's my entire life from start to finish. It's really about giving the anecdotes that are interesting and stuff. Whereas yeah, like, the autobiography is like I was born. And it... and I, I just, I, I, I just think I, that's really not what I. I didn't come to this. I did not come to this book looking for a business textbook. And that's, I will, that's I, what I feel like I got. So, and I wonder like how much he would because a lot of what his. So I want to say two things. One. There is the the public Reggie, which is a performance. Yeah. And he could turn it on. I've seen him turn it on in a small group where there was no reason for him to turn it on. Yeah. But it's clear he was turning it on because you actually saw him flip the switch. Yeah. And and I mean uh, and he he does talk about the, you know, hi, I'm Reggie, I'm here to kick ass and take names and we make yeah. great games and all that kind of stuff. He does talk about that and, you know, like kind of working through that with Iwata and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, it's still very much, I still feel like this is very much the public facing Reggie. Right. It's, it's tough. And we, we speculated this when we previewed this book, which was, which is a service RFN offers reviewing books. We haven't read yet. Um, that I wonder if this personality is something he can turn off. Yeah. And, and it's sounding like you're saying, no, not really. I don't know. This book just feels really guarded to me, or or it feels almost like a it it all it feels like something that like if you hired Reggie to speak at your all hands meeting, he would give. I want to do that. Like it's I need to, I need to go look but, at my event budget. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's very much like a, it's like a business seminar in book form. Right. It's, it's like. But- and the best business seminars, if you've ever sat through them, which I don't advise, uh, there are a handful, and I mean like one hand, of people who can do them, and they are mm-hmm. 
good and informative and you learn a lot. Um, there is a, a larger group that's still pretty small where you realize that a, a significant portion of the business community, and I'm not saying like 40%, it's probably sub 1%, but it's comes out to being a lot, more than you'd expect, are sociopaths. And it's just <laughs> immediately apparent when they start presenting and you're like, oh boy, oh, he put cocaine in his coffee today. <laughs> oh no, what is happening? And I've sat through a couple of those and there was one where in a room of a hundred people, I found my one colleague across the room, made eye contact with her and I saw terror mm-hmm. um, because the guy was on stage literally like, you've got to do the business. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> uh, some of the J&J Dream Factory characterizations that I've done are based on that presentation. <laughs> uh, because it was it was a lot. It was a yeah. whole lot. It was it was pure terror. Yeah, but, and and this it's just you know that's the thing. Like I like I think if you're if you're if you're really interested in Nintendo, there's many other books that you that I would oh put, yeah I would put ahead of this. Like I would put this way down the list. Like even just video games. Period. There's a lot a lot better than this. It, it's it's kind of a shame, but at the same time, I think he's probably too much of a professional to dit to dish like yeah, maybe, yeah even if he had reservations about the Wii name even if he was on the conference call going this is stupid the west is gonna hate it don't do it he's mm-hmm. not gonna post that because one it would make him yeah. look like a dumbass because it turns out it wasn't a big deal but even if he had been right like let's 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 say there was a chapter about the wii u and he had been on the phone saying like no don't call it the wii u the wii is well, done new name actually you know a good example a good example is they do talk about he, he does talk about the 3ds and the pricing mm. right and he was saying hey in order to get this in order to move units this thing has to be 199 um and they didn't want to do that and it eventually came out i think at 249 249 and, and the sales tanked so yeah but he's still you know it was very much like, yeah, I, I learned that – I don't know. He just – like there's nothing pithy that comes out of that. It's like, oh, yeah, I learned that you know sometimes you just have to roll with the punches. like You know what I mean? It's like it's all kind right. of stuff no, like nobody that. Nobody made a mistake. It just we, – we had to learn. Yeah, exactly. So He's not, he's not going to put his former colleagues and, and bosses on blast. Yeah, especially someone like Iwata, right? Like, I mean, right. you know, he's revered, right? And, of course, that guy doesn't want to like talk any trash about Iwata. No one does, right? Well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, it's the, the saying "don't speak ill of the dead" is true, but also, yeah. like, it seems it seems based on you know the what what happened around his passing that he was legitimately really well liked by the people who worked for him. Oh so, yeah, you know, and, you, and he does Reggie does talk about that where he he talks about like, you know his how you know he was summoned because you know I think every quarter is when he would go over to Japan for quarterly re- business reviews, and so and he talks about you know how when. He he gets summoned to Kyoto for reasons unknown, and he's like, "This is kind of weird." And of course, it's so you know, Iwata can tell him that he has cancer. So oh, yeah, he kind of goes into that sort of thing. So that kind of stuff is interesting. Um, yes, yeah. but yeah, but there's there's a lot there's a lot in this book that just it it's either kind of uninteresting business learnings sort of stuff that aren't particularly insightful or just kind of mm. obvious. Uh, and it just it feels like a very safe book. He should have hired a ghostwriter because a ghostwriter would have punched this stuff up. They'd have been like, no, 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 no. Give me some, <laughs> the, give me some of that Bigfoot pizza magic. Let's do this. Yeah. So. <sighs> yeah, but I would say there's there's several other books that I would recommend. 
ahead of it. But do they have Bigfoot pizza in them? No. All right. Well, no. I mean, that's, they actually that's had one to, mark against them. I think that oh, – I forget why they had to actually discontinue Bigfoot pizza. Because it's stupid. But no, no, it was like, like – there was actually like a practical reason, and I can't recall what it was, why they had to discontinue Bigfoot pizza. But it was something like um, – it was something like the like the ingredients were like people were complaining about the ingredients because in order to in order to to bake pizzas that big they had to use lower quality ingredients just to make them can... the mathematics work out i think and so eventually people started to complain about it and so they said yeah this is we need to kill this off cuz it's really not great for our brand so oh, yeah. i mean it's they were pretty ter- i i did at a at a birthday party consume Bigfoot pizza and thought this kind of sucks. And I was a kid. Yeah. Well, there you go, Reggie. And Reggie heard you. Reggie heard Reggie, you. Reggie heard me as yep. a child Just... at a at a Discovery Zone birthday party, <laughs> which I'm now making this the most 1990s thing in the world. Even uh, as a child, Reggie was writing, "Dear Diary, James Jones does not like Bigfoot pizza." When you <laughs> this when is you the saw... end. <laughs> when this... you saw. It's when you saw two, for the bread. When you saw My. two sets of footsteps in the ball pit, that was Reggie carrying you to the Bigfoot Pizza. My contacts at the Discover Zone overheard James Jones slandering Bigfoot Pizza. This I is the last straw. Slander him plus I'm wrong. All right. It's basically just you and I having fun at this point. So that's the end of my review for disrupting the game. There you go. I'm going to yeah. have to cook it. Yeah, John, to cut you could, it could have been a lot quicker if you just said good memoirs, not great, and been done with it. <laughs> I know. But I had to get to the Bigfoot pizza punchline, Greg. We, we had I, to get there. The thing is, you had to tease out the Discover Zone story. So it's just it's a slow burn. That's right. Slow you, got, burn. you got an extra win on that. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll go next. Um, I'm not going to speak a whole lot about it, but uh, inspired by tales of Square Enix's, we'll call them business decisions. I'm not sure that's even the right word at this point. I uh, picked up Guardians of the Galaxy on Xbox Game Pass uh, because of the of the Marvel projects they did, all two of them, uh, it reviewed quite well. Uh, people seem to really like it, and... That is not necessarily the same thing you might say about their Avengers project. So um, I went ahead and downloaded that. One, it's huge. I want to make that clear. It's very big, uh, which will make sense because there's so much spoken dialogue in it. It's just a crazy amount of it. Um, And I got through about two-thirds of the game. Um, I'm still playing it. And I'm having a good time is it the most polished game in the world no 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 absolutely not uh there's weird there's weird encounters that they've set up that just kind of aren't very good like they're just kind of like it's a kill room there's a lot of the just it's a kill room and there's nothing that special about this particular kill room it's just a new kill room um the puzzles aren't super involved they're all pretty basic um there's a couple that are kind of funkle funkily designed i don't know like they they just feel a little bit off and, like, I could solve them, but they caused me to have to think harder than I think they intended them because, like, the, the telegraphing isn't right or, you know, stuff like that. Like, it just just it just doesn't quite feel right. But overall, I'm enjoying it. And I had this really weird nostalgia rush the whole time. 
And I thought maybe it was because of the films, which I enjoyed. I think of the Marvel movies, there's probably the most, some of the most enjoyable because they're the most irreverent. Like they just, they just legitimately seemed to be having fun. Um, but it wasn't that like it, it was a it was a a longer pull nostalgia and like I could I could place myself timeline wise but not necessarily game wise and I realized that where I was feeling from was PS2 GameCube Xbox era and that can be really dangerous when you're saying this game feels like it's from that era because that can be dabbing with some faint praise but um, I'm gonna make that worse by saying it really reminded me of licensed games of that era. And now you're thinking like, oh, he's actually going to have a bad review of this. But no, I mean the good ones, the ones that are actually enjoyable to play, like your um, Return of the King game that EA published. For again, license arrangements you would never have expected. Or what, like like the Incredible Hulk on Xbox? I remember that got yeah, yeah. Like the game's yeah. not great. Like yeah. coming right out of the gate, like this is not a great game. This game would not stand on its own. Um, but it's a game that makes good use of the license. It's in the sense of like they match the gameplay to what the license is. Um, it gives you what you want if you want if you were interested in the license. And overall, the gameplay is good enough. You know, it's fun enough. It's the what it asks you to do is tight enough. Like it's not it's not trying to overstay its welcome. It's moving briskly along through a narrative that ties to its license. Um, in the case of this, this is not licensed to the movie. This is the same with Avengers. It's licensed to the brand. So you're not getting actors in here. Uh, it's more it's more relevant here because there's a lot. Obviously, the characters don't wear masks, so like they 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 don't have the rights to these actors now. For Groot, it doesn't really matter. He's a sentient tree. Or rockets a hu- uh, humanoid raccoon. Like, the faces don't matter so much. But it's not Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket. Um, but obviously for Star-Lord, it matters more. And for Gamora. And for, for Drax. And it's it's really just a third-person shooter that is decent quality. That um, feels pretty good. Has lots of weird powers. And lets you leverage the other members because you you only play a Star Lord. Lets you leverage the other members of the team to pull off special attacks with cooldowns. Like it's not super special. Uh, this very easily could have been a Star Wars game of that early to mid two thousands era. But what they did well is they really the people who made this obviously very clearly have a, an affinity for this universe. Because they are referencing things from all over it. They don't stop and feel the need to explain everything. They just sort of talk about the Nova Corps like you know what the Nova Corps are. And you'll figure it out from context if you have to. Um, they just name drop things from the Guardians lore and don't really go into it. It's Because it's not important. It's just banter. This game has a tremendous amount of it's just banter. And it's pretty fun. Like, there's a lot of good jokes with the characters just talking in the middle of a firefight, making fun of each other. Um, Or wandering through a hall where things are really bad and trying to figure out how to get out of here and or how to fleece this organization of a lot of money. And spending time talking about their heroes for hire business, but 90% of their activities involve some kind of criminal action. Um, It's just well written and they they leaned into what a lot of square enix's former uh u.s brands were doing because there's definitely lessons 
if not explicit reuse of components from some of their narrative-driven games that were coming out. And I'm suddenly blanking on the name of the series. What, They're Tomb Raider? My... Or... No, no, not Tomb Raider. Um, crap. I'm blanking on it now. Describe it. Uh, this this was the the series of um story driven games that Square Enix put out where you have to uh solve uh problems with supernatural powers. Into the storm. Why do I get the subtitle? Into the, Life is into strange. The sto- yeah. The, yes. yes. Life strange. Like th- there's there are sequences that are straight up out of those games where you're talking to characters and making decisions, and there is a blank is upset that you did that that pops up in the top right of the screen. Okay. And that in, that influences how they talk to you later. And it <clears> works well because so much about what makes the Guardians a fun property is the interaction yeah. of this cast of busted-ass individuals, none of which are good people, all of which are maybe a problem in a context on their own, but together they work okay. Um. And the writers did a good job of capturing that and of making that banter enjoyable and trying to create realistic conflict between them in this universe where one of the most powerful security figures is a Russian or is a Soviet space dog that achieves sentience. Like it's 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 an incredibly dumb universe with the most absurdist canon possible. Like it is by far like the most nonsensical stuff in the Marvel universe, and that's saying a lot. And they just lean all the way into it. Every every possible weird reference they could slide in is there. Every dumb thing these characters could do are there. There's a there's a particularly interesting soliloquy from Groot, which if you are not familiar with the character, basically can only groan and say, "My, I am Groot. That's it. And he, he gives this emotive performance while the rest of them are reacting to it, followed by, <laughs> followed by Drax simply going, I do not speak tree. And then continuing to walk through the scene. It's like, all right, you know, you guys did it. You nailed it. Good job. You did it. Um, And it kind of raises the question of like, wow, you know, if they hadn't tried to make Avengers a a gas-driven product. So could they have done this? Could they have made something fun like this? Something less ambitious that's not as expensive. I mean, there's that Avengers game must have cost a fortune. Yeah, yeah I mean, hundreds this, of millions of dollars, I think, that game costs. This game knew what it was. They made that game, and then they stopped making that game. And I wonder if that would have been a better approach, because ultimately that's what people come in the door for if they're going to buy a Guardians game or they're going to buy an Avengers game. They're here for that brand, so why not just show off that brand? Like, why not just make a tightly focused thing where we get to experience those characters rather than constantly putting new characters in, trying to expand it as the gas game? Because it's never going to feel organic that way, and it's going to minimize the scope of your project, and then you can do more. Like, it's kind of a bummer that there's not going to be another one of these because I don't, I don't think there's any way they're going to go after this again now under new ownership. Um, but, I mean, this this feels like a kind of game we don't get anymore. The licensed B game. We don't get B games anymore. Not really. Like, like I know that sounds like, if, if you weren't around for that era, calling something a B game sounds derisive, but it's not. It's, yeah. it's, about, it's about a scope and ambition. And a lot of times it was about a price point. 
Like, yeah, you know, and, they, these games might be cheaper. And there was a definite time period there where all of those B-level studios, they all got closed down. Like, yeah. it was crazy. Over about a two-year period, they just all went. And so it became these massive AAA studios or these little indie studios and really nothing in between. Or, or those B-game studios got, like, converted into the support studio for, like, a annualized series. Yep. Like congratulations, uh, toy was toys with Bob got turned into like making assets or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're now the asset studio. Congratulations. It it and a lot of times those games could pick up licenses. Like they would be movie licensed games. We don't get those anymore really either. And largely for the same reason, I would assume. Like if you want to make a game now, it's going to be like the scope was going to be smaller or it was going to be really really big, and you're not going to make a really really big tied to a movie license because the thing is that movie's going to drop out of out of the the public interest after well I mean, at this point the cycle's so tight a couple months and now you're just this very very expensive game that isn't really tied to something that's in the zeitgeist or the game might slip that used to happen all the time with these licensed games and we'd get the game like six months late and then what do you do you're stuck um so we didn't you know the licensed games fell off too, and this is a this is sort of an interesting example of both. It it has a lot of the qualities you would associate with the B game, but it, it's like I said, it's not it's not nearly as polished as a AAA game of this type would be. But you would not make this game with that level of polish. It's just not economically viable. So yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. If you have Game Pass and you have any affinity for that for that franchise and for that kind of you know banter. There's a lot of banter. There's so much banter. Um, yeah, it's fun, and I'm enjoying it. It's not very long, um, which a lot of these licensed games back then weren't. They would be like seven hours, ten hours, and you're done. You're out. Um, they may not even have that much replayability, um, and I don't know that this one would. But like, there's a couple branching paths, but I sus- based on how they resolve, I would suspect you pretty much end up in the same place regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say... It's fun. I would check it out. Um, it's it's weird that all it took was Square Enix bailing out of this massive investment they made for me to actually get around to playing this game. But uh, don't worry. They announced they'll set up new Western Studios, which, again, goes back to our conversation of just say you're doing it for NFTs. That'll make the investors happy. <sighs> yeah, oh, I've been meaning to play this one. You should. I think you. I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I liked um, it. Like when the trailer. When I first saw the trailer, I said that looks pretty cool. Yeah. Like the, it. this. If Avengers had been this when they did that big long Avengers presentation that everybody got bored with, this would have been way more interesting. Yeah. But you know, they went after the gas game, and the gas game got them. Yeah, Avengers. Uh, supposedly, rumor has it, it cost a hundred million dollars to make. <laughs> and it's recoup. It's only sold three million copies. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Even if it was a, even if it was a huge success at the gas with gas sales, like there, there's a cap. Like gas, gas games work because you have a large audience. Yes. Ugh. Because the the majority percentage wise aren't going to buy nothing. Marvel's Avengers heavy on the L. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <Burn. sighs> yeah. Got him. Got him. I did. All right. Uh. Gee, why don't you go next? Sure. So I haven't been playing much except uh, hours and hours of Final Fantasy 13, and I'm finally <laughs> done with the tutorial. 
Um, after, Speaking of expensive B games. Yeah, after 18 hours. Um, so I've been enjoying it, but also... I, yeah, everything that I said before is true, but also the fact that it got, you know, uh, not middling reviews, but th- there were a lot of caveats. Like, it's all warranted. The fact that this is not looked back on fondly is warranted. Like, the, this this game has issues. But if you compare it to other games that took like ten years to come out, like do you come forever? Like yeah, overall, like it came, it came out pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it just uh, well, you know, like if it was held up as this example of like how the 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 Japanese game industry um, did not handle the HD transition well, I think it's fair to compare it to uh, Western games that took forever also to come out. And then didn't, yeah. So it, it, like, in a certain context, it it came out pretty well. But it's it, it was you can tell that the development was deeply troubled. Anyway, I didn't really Did want to talk. Any thoughts on 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 it relative to Dai Katana or? Anything? I've never played Dai Katana, but one day, <laughs> me neither. One day, just, uh, I have. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just they're just gonna rake the mud up on all these high-profile Western developments that went bad. Oh well, speaking of Duke Nukem Forever, like apparently a, an old um, build of the game that's different from what we eventually got uh, just got leaked on the internet, and, and people from played 2001? it. Two thousand one. I I did not really look into it. I just saw that people were like, "Hey, you know what? Duke Nukem Forever is really good." It's like, oh, what? And like, yeah, that version, like some version of it actually was pretty decent, but they, they just shelved it because the, I think the story was that the studio wanted to always have like the latest and best engine, the latest and best graphics yes. and everything. So yes. they, they just kept making the game over and over again, uh, trying to keep up with uh, the, the technology advances. Like the director would go to E3 and see some new technology that a game that's like two years out right. would have in it, and he would go, "I want that in my game." And his team would be like, "It does our engine doesn't support it." And his response would be, "Make a new one." Right. So, but that game would be like two years away, and theirs would be like six months away, and it's like, no, God, what a nightmare. But it really is. Yeah. I don't know. It was either remake the engine from scratch every six months, every year, or just handcraft uh, bespoke rocks for a Japanese RPGs. I don't know. Uh, for for years and years, <laughs> every rock shall be custom. Yep. Uh, but yeah. So uh, other than that, uh, so we had um, uh, my mother-in-law visited, and uh, I, I got to play a little bit of Nintendo Switch Sports locally. And uh, just as I had heard reported, uh, I discovered that, yeah, there's no, you, you don't unlock anything, any of the uh, the, the costumes, any of the, the, the stuff that you normally unlock when you play online, uh, you don't unlock when you play uh, co-op, uh, not co-op, I mean like locally. So there's no, like you don't accumulate points, you don't, there's nothing, there's not even an indication that you, you could pot- potentially unlock uh, uh I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing all my words tonight. But like, um, yeah. Anyway, any, any kind of customization for how your character looks. So uh, that that's kind of shitty. 
knowing how what Wii Sports was known for, you know, which was local play. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Like they really want to people to 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 pay for that uh, online online subscription, I guess. Um, other than that, like I, it was kind of a a mixed bag my experience uh, playing with my mother-in-law actually because she she's played Wii Sports before but uh playing it playing this version with her uh last week just made me think I, I think maybe she had had enough already she does have nieces and nephews she must have played like so, you know probably even more Wii Sports than I have and uh mm. she she might have been over it but also like the the so we we tried to play badminton and um it was hard to she she kept whiffing her shots like she she there was something that happened that made her just hand me smashes all the time um and so i, I was just trying to return the 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 shuttlecock uh and just keep a, a um uh, a rally going am i even using the right words here i hope so yes yeah yes. so it was just you know trying to to get her to have fun playing and not just destroy her uh but it was really hard to tell what she was doing wrong until eventually i realized like okay the, the shuttlecock is ba basically at her character's knees when she returns it that like she's just swinging too late so once we figured that out uh it was more fun but she still wasn't winning like it, it was a hard game to try to explain to a newcomer even though i hadn't played it a whole ton myself uh it seemed like i had yeah significantly less trouble playing it and so that was not really fun for me or for her and uh i kind of it made me wish that there was some sort of a handicap feature to these uh to these games uh some way to to bring to people of different playing skill levels uh more on the same uh level you know um so you know so that that was like badminton we also played the uh, bowling bowling does let you play simultaneously your your uh your your squares so uh so that's pretty good um the the, the game did chug at a few times when like we had we we struck the the pins at the same time uh, but nothing that impacted gameplay, so you know, uh, it, it, it's a good feature overall. Being able to play at the same time does save time. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like it was kind of a mixed bag. We we got eventually tired of it pretty quickly, and uh, then didn't play it again. So I don't know. Like I, I was a little bit disappointed, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I I think more options for local play would have gone a long way uh some something to work towards mm. uh unlocking the, the 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 costumes would have been good uh but also like something to uh, customize your matches a little bit more because it was really just like okay you're playing badminton it's uh you know first two seven points or nothing there, there's no you can't customize the rules at all and uh it feel it felt like it could have it could have used that it could have used the handicapping feature but also maybe like some some wilder rules you know uh, anything like Mario tennis rules like items Just, something 
like one of the things I found with it is that if you compare it to Wii Sports Resort when it came out, it feels really bare bones. Yeah. Like Wii Sports Resort had what, about a dozen sports in mm-hmm. it on day one. Yeah. And most of them had multiple play modes. Yeah. And, like, there was a, um, the presentation was really well done. You know, the first time that you play it, that it, that you discover the, the Wii Motion Plus um, features by, by having you skydive. Um, it, you know, that was your introduction to the island, uh, your introduction to uh, Wii Motion Plus. Um, anyway, like, it was a great intro yeah and like it, it yeah it just, it just felt like more of a cohesive package yeah yeah whereas here like i really feel like okay here are the nunmies um you can create one <laughs> uh randomly like we have like a random generator it doesn't matter they all kind of look the same anyway um they do. and uh then yeah you can choose one of these six sports and at least two of right. them are very similar yeah Having two racket sports when there's only six sports is incredibly depressing. Yeah. Like, uh, especially because tennis isn't that good. Like, Yeah, it's it's, it's it, really it, the old Wii Sports tennis. So it's all timing-based, yeah. and there, there is some... You can, you know, do an effect on your ball, but it's not... Uh, it's very subtle. Right. I feel like if they had picked up twist of the Wii, of the switch joy-con better which i know they can mm-hmm. um it would have been a more interesting game but instead it's really about timing like you said that determines how far to the left or right the ball goes yeah so ultimately i, I find it to be a more fun game to play online than locally which is i don't know it's a bizarre world it's weird we should we should try an online game like it's like actually a friend's game because I haven't done that yet. I'd be curious how that goes. But a lot of it's asyn- I mean, a lot of the gameplay is asynchronous. So I guess that's fine. Bowling, bowling is probably the easiest to handle. But I don't know. Like volleyball online feels incredibly tedious because it feels like it's going to be exactly the same thing the AI does. Right. But yeah, yeah, we should, we should try it. Yeah. Give it a shot at least just to know. Mm. We and then we can talk to each other through the oh, there's no voice. <laughs> Not even, not even integrated with Nintendo's own voice app uh, that I'm pretty sure they've forgotten exists. I mean, if it's not WeChat, I mean, what are we talking about here? Mm. Uh, look, these are the brave people who looked at your phone and said, yeah, but what if you could talk over it? Like, these are these are innovators of the highest order. I can't believe they've made a custom app so you can talk. I need a mic. I need a microphone that I put on my table that literally picks up every single sound in the entire apartment, or else I just won't even bother. So we, we've uh, we've invented the noise anti-canceling microphone. What's that? <laughs> it's the noise amplifying microphone. It, do you want everyone you're playing with to hear your neighbors having sex? No, not your immediate neighbors. <laughs> is four doors in the, down. Is somebody in the apartment two apartments over eating a cracker? You can hear it. <laughs> You guys are just giving me like PTSD flashbacks of trying to play Monster <laughs> Hunter Try. Uh, it was just like the most miserable experience. I couldn't hear anything that anyone was saying. I couldn't tell if people could hear me. And I just... Uh... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Do you want to hear the other person's TV? We created a microphone that sits right in front of it. Yeah. Oh my god. It's It's... 
it's it's like all the jokes about hearing somebody yell at their kids over Xbox. Like it's a million times worse because they made the mic for mom yelling at his, at her kid over Xbox. Well, yeah, it's terrible. You don't need a mic or voice chat when you have uh, four uh, emoticons that you can customize, James. Yeah, but if yeah, if you if you play online, you can randomly earn new emoticons mm-hmm. because Nintendo has the um, what are those called? Season passes now. <laughs> sure. Huh. I mean, they technically are. Like that's that's the funny part, except you don't have to pay for them, so at least it's better than that. But battle yeah. pass, battle pass. There it is. It's your Wii or your Switch Sports battle pass. God, that's that's the most cursed phrase I think I've ever said, which is a high bar on the show. All right, Guillaume, save me from myself. Oh no, that's that that's it. I'm done. That's oh, all. Oh god, I I'm stuck. I live with this now. Mm. Uh, Greg. Yes. Take take us home. So, yeah, I finally got around to the meaning to, I guess it's a little bit like what you was talking about with the Guardians of the Galaxy, so you sometimes you need something to prod you or to remind you of like, oh, this exists and I'd like to play it, and in your case it was you know, <laughs> Square Enix selling off the developers of that game. Uh, in the case, in my case, uh, Atraza Renaissance, uh, you know, so it came out, it was that direct last year, that it was kind of a surprise announcement simultaneous like release thing uh wasn't it alongside like the castlevania advance games you know get, uh, getting the the collection and stuff and uh you know i was pretty convinced i'd get to it at some point and uh earlier this month it, it was the case that first of all they didn't update and then also square like a lot of the japanese publishers were doing a sale uh, for Golden Week in Japan and sort of, you know, the, had similar sales in the other stores and all that. So, yeah, that that wasn't really a case of, like, oh, I, I, I will not play that until it's cheaper. It was just, oh, yeah, there it is. That exists. This could be a good time to play it. Uh, and so I have, I'm near the end now. I'm in the uh, kind of middle of the final area before the kind of end game. So, yeah, I feel in a pretty good position to be able to comment on it overall. I mean, my familiarity with the original game is that you know, if, if if people don't remember some of this stuff, uh, which they really shouldn't, considering I think I did speak about <laughs> playing Atraser for the first time all the way through in New Business, but that was 14 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, they might not remember it. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't. It was a game you know, we, we very much wanted because it reviewed well, uh, you know, in the magazines that were covering imports back then. But it just kind of, uh, first of all, it was like, well, there's a certain amount of language issues with the Japanese versions. And then it's like you're kind of waiting for the American version. And by that time, it was just like, well, you know, there's other games and, you know, we, we can only have so many. So it was just this thing that, like, I always wanted to play. Didn't have the chance until I got a cartridge of it in kind of mint condition in 2008 and uh, yeah, played it that way from uh, from start to finish. and enjoyed it, but of course, you know, it was uh, robbed of a lot of its impact being as it was you know, really quite an early Super Nintendo game in 91. Uh, you know, a lot of its impact was based on the graphics, the sound, especially the sound, you know, with the Kashiro's um, kind of uh, orchestral 
style you know soundtrack uh, making use of the super nintendo sample based sound capabilities and all that so um but you know it's it, it was still a sort of solid and enjoyable experience in its original form and now we we have it back in this renaissance thing with where it's you know kind of um significantly different in quite a lot of ways uh first of all in the sort of action phase of the game because of course it is the original anyway famous for having a sort of side scrolling action you know phase fairly reminiscent of like classic uh castlevania uh, style action and then you've got these kind of what in those days or certainly in the in, in british magazines that i was reading at the time would have been referred to as like a god game uh it's, <laughs> that yes. was often uh discussed uh for the kind of top down like uh, of population and the well, sort of uh, element of the game, but in in the action phase here, the biggest changes of uh, 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 Johnny spoke about this pretty close to when it came out on the show last year. But just to sort of recap it as quickly as I can, the, the biggest change is just that the character movement is certainly you know not as kind of stiff as it was there because again that was kind of the the style at the time really and, and probably a lot of that kind of um you know to some extent trying to conform with like difficulty standards of the time you know to not have a character that was just like super mobile you know to make everything really easy but they've liberalized that here so and you've got i think the biggest and probably most positive development mechanically is just that you have so many more kind of um attacking options in terms of different sort of strokes of the of the sword you know in terms of like being able to do a a a slash up into the air a slash back down kind of multiple strikes leading into a kind of forward thrust to run enemies through Uh, you can like crouch to somewhat mitigate damage and still attack that way so and the the back dash uh which again the crouching to sort of mitigate damage and, and back dash definitely kind of reminds me a little bit of sort of Rondo blood uh you know castlevania and, and onwards when it went into you know symphony and so forth so you know it's de- very much loosened up the character movement to make it feel more enjoyable uh mm. you know to control which is you know i think a, a pretty sound strategy at yeah this it, point. it was it was far too stiff for a game that would be released in the 2020s yeah, yeah, like it was already you know, a bit sort of antiquated, I guess you could say, you know, in '91. But you know that it's a certain style, you know, that it was going to going. You know, you think of stuff like Ghosts and Goblins, you know, like the the, the the sort of arcade action of the day. That was uh, a lot of uh, you know what was what what was popular in that sort of genre at the time. But then, of course, you've got the other genre to it where you are playing as you are i mean to be fair the god game moniker is like more legitimate in this case because you are playing as god essentially and uh, (laughs) but in these sections you know you're kind of building out uh rebuilding out the sort of civilization uh that as uh you're coming out of some sort of dark age and um you know it's what they've really they've really thoroughly embellished this in terms of like how much time it takes at least again not really played at Tracer that much since away, so my recollections of it are by no means like you know bulletproof here. Uh, but I remember the the the, the sections uh, between sort of uh, the action levels going a fair bit quicker back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine you know in the original uh, game 
Um, first of all, I mean, it's very much a kind of launch window kind of thing where publishers did seem to be willing to experiment a little more with game formats in those uh, times. Yeah, because I think people are kind of looking for new things to play on a new system and are more willing to like try different things before everybody just kind of uh, retreats to their usual like genres and characters and IPs that they like. Uh, so, you know, I think the secondary mode back then of uh, kind of uh, you know, building out the civilization was, you know, to some extent, first of all, to offer a degree of difference, novelty, that the two genres were getting mixed, but also to lengthen the game. You know, they probably had a fairly slight arcade-style game, and then it's like, how do we you know, kind of make it something that's more kind of uh, beefy, which makes it ironic that with the sequel, they were sort of trying to appease the American market by stripping that stuff out mm. right at the same time as every Japanese publisher was making their American games harder to make them longer because of the rental market. Uh, which, as you might expect, with the ActRaiser two is apparently nightmarishly hard uh, by all accounts. I, uh, it, not... I can I can vouch that game is god awful with difficulty. Yeah, so that that's, uh, it had to take the full rather with no secondary mode to you know extend the playtime anymore. Uh, the difficulty had to carry the weight of you know, uh, <laughs> countering rentals and and apparently not for the benefit of the game overall. But uh, it also yeah. means you get no breaks. Like there's no downtime between the absolute hellscape that is that game's combat. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, and so with this now uh, Renaissance. It's a similar sort of dynamic in terms of you, you, we're back to, I feel like, okay, if we do this as a remake, where it's like, okay, we're going to have new graphics, we're going to have you know, amended gameplay, it's not just a kind of virtual console style release or a, you know, a Castlevania Advanced Collection style release, then you, you, we, we might have to kind of build on you know what that secondary mode was doing originally and really you know lengthen the game uh with this mode even more than it did originally and so what you have now is a, a lot more text with with characters uh interacting and sort of uh, uh giving some flavor to the story of you know kind of rebuilding these these towns and settlements uh, and also these sort of the tower defense scenarios, which uh, you know, where it's like, okay, yes, ordinarily you're kind of just overseeing as AI kind of show you just generally, it's not that much agency in the, the sort of simulation type elements. There never was that much originally. You know, it was a, a pretty simple form of it you know and again because it, it wasn't a whole game onto itself it's not really surprising um and so you just fly around as an angel agent of god and just shoot stuff why uh, to allow your followers to build everything out on you know a very broad path that you kind of indicate for them to build on but here, like that, is like okay. Well, you still do all that, but then you have these bits where it's like okay, you're gonna get a horde of demons, and the angel can't do anything to fight them in this scenario. It has to be like you you have to build defenses, and you have like these characters that are heavily involved in the dialogue or sort of like uh, champion units that will help you know uh, these defenses hold and stuff, and that 
takes up a lot of the time now and uh, i you know it makes perfect sense to me it's just like okay let's you know kind of take this that was a little bit thin before and embellish it and that's going to help make the experience longer and you know make it something that we can charge more for uh if we're doing a you know a, a remake a substantial remake like this it all makes sense but i, I they did overcook it a little bit i think there's there's just a, especially once you settle into the cycle of how each region you know, plays out where you know you go you you have an action level to begin then you start rebuilding the settlement and uh you know you kind of get into these uh dialogue scenes with with characters uh about who the sort of defender of the settlement is going to be and then you have a few sieges and you you have a, a little thing they added where you kind of go into these uh pits that spawn the enemies that you have to kill with the little angel um and you actually do that now as a little action in the side scrolling mode as essentially a kill room and they try and jazz those up a little bit sometimes by like bringing back a boss from earlier in the game as a kind of irritant while you kill all the sort of things that actually spawn enemies but yeah they never really do anything terribly interesting with that again it's, it's, it's something a kind of understandable logical extension of like let's try and make the two modes a little bit more interconnected uh, uh, in, in a sense but it's not particularly substantial in doing so uh, and then you know this cycle once you've once it's played out of just like okay we in the end we get to the second and final action level of the region we beat the big bad and then we move on to the next one once you get that cycle down you do find yourself wishing it would play out a bit quicker and mm. the main way in which i feel like it could get play out a bit quicker is just by having fewer of the siege scenarios i think they're fine you know and it's like it's the, because it's not that much agency with the way you build out the settlement, it doesn't really feel, oh, yes, I've devised this terribly clever strategy that makes this settlement <laughs> very, very difficult for the enemy to, to to overwhelm. You know, it's just like there's nothing terribly advanced going on. It doesn't have to be. You know, as long as you're not doing stuff that's really silly or just like completely getting caught unawares at different parts of the map or something, it, it'll be fine. So I just think we could speed that up a bit and it would still be you know, added a lot of run times of the game, you know, if you're concerned about that, and adding something, you know, uh, of a just varied gameplay to the game. I mean, I will say, I think it it remains within the bounds of acceptability for me, personally, a, a lot by being virtue of being portable. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, these sections of the game, building out the settlements, uh, you know, are pretty good, for like while you may be taking in a sporting event at the same time, you've got the hockey playoffs going on. There's been a lot of that, you know, kind of just letting, a lot of a lot of game sevens, a lot a lot of me, you know, kind of doing a lightning strike on houses and factories that have uh, become outmoded because they've achieved a higher <laughs> level of uh, being civilized and uh, waiting for them to replace them, you know, with with the better versions. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it works well in that regard. I don't know, if I was you know, was playing it on on a you know, strictly TV console. I, I might be less lenient on on these sections in terms of how much time they take up, but it, it still works, I guess, in point. But they just they do overdo it. Um, and I guess the other thing I would say is, while the kind of action sections 
they definitely overall are more fun and more fluid to play with the new mechanics. And again, I, I hesitate to be too sort of sure of myself here because my recollection of the original playthrough is quite hazy. But it doesn't really feel like the level design is is kind of adapted or, or overhauled to take advantage of these greater maneuverability and kind of of, of the character that you have now. You know, it, it still basically feels like well, though it's it's much the way it was, but it's just easier to get around, which of course just you know, makes it easier in general um, and and more fun in general, probably overall. But like you know, if it was going to be like written again, like to invoke Rondor Blood again, you know, sort of like Rondor Blood. The level design is very much based on what that Belmont can do, right. and yeah, you know, fully capitalizes on it. Whereas this, you know, kind of naturally being a remake, does not do that. Um, although I, I note in the update, one of the things they brought in was the idea that you could actually turn the mobility upgrades off and play it old style if you wanted to uh so yeah that that is something that just came in beginning of this month i believe also uh user kashiro made some adjustments to the new version of the soundtrack you can play with the super famicom soundtrack but also you have the new version and i guess he you know maybe felt a few things could be tightened up a bit and uh and changed them so i i hadn't heard the previous version naturally but uh, it's it always seemed like something that would adapt well, like because of course it was just like try you know, Super Nintendo trying to do symphonic style with the sampled audio. It's a pretty easy sort of up port to just okay now we do the same thing but with better instrument quality and it sounds a lot more like a symphony, you know, like that that there's not too much that could really go wrong and most of these just right. like it's like yeah that's really what that was meant to sound like isn't it you know in a lot of cases even though it's not like a live performance of these things but it's just better instrument quality than it was before i mean i guess the the one thing probably the first level of Fillmore theme whatever with the guitar does kind of sound more like a castlevania theme or something so they would be in Castlevania rather than most of the rest of it is you know a lot of very direct rips of John Williams type stuff and you know like really on the nose like movie score things but it's all as you'd imagine uh pretty good so I've enjoyed it nice to see it come back um you know and and a lot of the things uh that they've done are you know kind of logical if not necessarily perfectly executed i guess the biggest blots that people talked about at the time and i don't know that there's been any particular movement on this with updates or anything is the graphics which um yeah aesthetically it's not very pretty or stylish uh, it's curious. Uh, it's it's um, <laughs> they, so it's got word. yeah. It's it's got a pre-rendered kind of look to it, which mm. is a uh, it's odd because obviously you know um, I guess if it reminds me of anything, this is a weird thing to say. If you remember New Super Mario Brothers on DS, where yes. certain characters. Oh, it's mostly polygonal, right? You know, the well, well, I say right. that Mario is polygonal. A lot of things, quite a lot of things were polygonal. But you might have some enemies or some elements that were pre-rendered. Uh, and then like that, it's kind of like a whole game like that in terms of like the certain elements of the, um, mm. certain elements of the environment are clearly kind of polygonal uh, and stuff. But then there's a lot of other things that are 
sort of you know sprites based on pre-rendered things and i guess the weirdest part about it is you know when it was donkey Kong country on super nintendo or new super mario brothers on ds those are very low res platforms so when you make sprites for those resolutions based on you know they were working on their silica graphics workstations whatever they were doing you know it, it becomes this very little low res kind of pixely thing at the end right? Right. these days we say oh it's basically just animated gifs walking around uh, in a platform game but with, with this you think well this is you know 2021 when it came out but even switch the lowest resolution platform is is you know, a high def platform but they look pixely they look low res these things i don't get it like i don't i get that you did a you like pre-rendered them and then made sprites out of them but why do they look like pixely stop motion animation things i, I just would have thought even if you were going to use that technique because it's cost effective or whatever that it would just look better than this i don't i don't know why it, why it looks quite as odd as it does but i mean you kind of you know you get a little bit newer to it and it's not really i, I wouldn't say it, like ruined my enjoyment of it but it's certainly you know given that one of the things of remaking this game is you know new graphics they bring very little to the party that's good you know it, it just uh cause I, and also with a game like this, you know, but sort of this has this sort of uh, mythic element to it. I just think the kind of plasticky pre-rendered kind of aesthetic is a poor match. You know, I mean, no, like I with, with, with the character art and stuff, it basically does a Kid Icarus uprising, which is your antiquity filtered through anime, and that's fine. That that works all right. But yeah, the 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 in-game graphics don't reflect that at all. Like it's, it's all this kind of almost like some of the some of the enemies can look like plasticine models like i said if you if you ran stop motion through mega cd or something i don't know it's it's strange but yeah i i i'm not i'm not that fussed about it i'm not that angry about it or anything it it it's not, it didn't sort of ruin the game but i've just a, a bit bewildered by some of the choices there and and just the way they turned out but i don't think that should be a deal breaker unless you just you know, have a very strong feelings about style in a game. You know, if it's something that you wanted to revisit, because uh, the the you know the the actual experience of reliving it has been mostly a good one. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, I should probably get on this because I have a lot of a lot of love for that original game. It just feels weird in so many ways. Um, yeah, I want to. That we got. I want to check it out, but uh, yeah, my experiences with uh, Salsa Raff, which was just kind of such a disappointment, and then uh, yeah, yeah. The what was the other game that I started, but never really played that much of uh, Sm- Smelter. Anyway, like th- there was another kind of uh, ActRaiser inspired uh, game that came out. Uh, in the last year and it kind of turned out to be a little bit of a disappointment as well so i we at this, this point like it, it kind of retroactively makes act razor and like the, the idea of playing a remake of that feel you know less exciting we we had this conversation with pikmin where it feels like lots of uh developers are willing to to like oh i took some inspiration from pikmin but none are willing to just bite the whole bullet and go no i'm just gonna make an unbranded pikmin and i feel like actraiser has a certain amount of that too where there are there are like indie games that are inspired by actraiser but avoid the no i'm just gonna make actraiser Mm. um 
that I kind of wish somebody would just do. Yeah, but I'm not sure if that would go over that well either. Like, you, you go back, you play Actraiser today, and yeah, like as uh, as Greg mentioned, playing it in 2008 already, you were kind of missing what made it special back when it came out. Well, so, even more so now. Yeah, but but like, if you were to make that game with the knowledge, like, the same concepts of that game, like, not, okay, we're actually going to do a tower defense mode or weird stuff like that. Like, no. We're going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to make Populous and Castlevania 4 and jam them together. And that's it. Um, With, you know, the varnish that you could put on it from the 20 plus years of game development that have come out since then. Like, you could probably make a pretty damn good game. Mm. Is it going to be like a world changer? No, nah, but it could be pretty good. But no, nah, everybody wants to put a twist on it. So it's not just like I am making unlicensed I am making Mazer. It's fine. It's a completely different game. Totally different. I think that the, the sim quote-unquote segments, which were very, very simplistic, uh, should be kept oh, yeah. simplistic, but maybe turn the, the, the action part of them into some sort of twin-stick shooter. I think that could be... <laughs> yeah, because I guess, if anything, the Angel's been somewhat de-emphasized here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, I mean you still do it. You, you, you still kind of just, shoot it... enemies and build up, like, some magic points and stuff doing that. But, yeah, like I said, the, the, the tower defense element has come in and, uh, you know, kind of overtaken the, the real substance of that. Although, it did, just in this very final kind of area, did just, like, random, seemingly randomly because uh, it came out of nowhere, just kind of spring this, like, oh, here's an assault of enemies that the angel has to kill, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> you know, it's like I haven't done this before. So I guess it's nice, because uh, I did talk about the re- how the sort of repetitious the cycle became after a while, but they do, mm-hmm. they, there's, there's some things they do, some you know, new elements they might bring in, like kind of barriers that you can... Uh, kind of put up in on the along roads that actually like draw enemies in deliberately. They have a homing effect, uh, or a tractor beam kind of <laughs> effect on enemies. Uh, you know, like so which gives you a little bit more strategy of like, okay, let's let's bring them into this particular bit where you know we're well set up to attack them and and mop them up. Uh, so yeah. You know, it still stands that it's repetition, but it's not as if they don't do things that, that kind of you know, acknowledge the fact that it's pretty <laughs> similar and let's put a few wrinkles in there. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for new business this week and pretty much the show. Emails, I didn't do any this week, but you could send them to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. We got some more this week. We have new entries in my new favorite subgenre, which is very odd rfn salutations uh so keep those coming i they they give me life um <laughs> couple a couple things to close up on seren yep okay we'll make sure we didn't lose you um again congratulations on what must have been an incredibly rewarding but also hectic day thank you um is there anything else? I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of stuff to promote. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to promote? Um, not unless you want to hold this episode for an indefinite amount of time. Nope, that's fine. We can we can do that some other time. Um, but I appreciate the offer. <laughs> get get some rest this weekend. You've definitely earned it. Thank you so much, uh, Guillaume. Yeah. 
again, congratulations on 10 years of whatever this is. Sure. Thanks. It's been, uh, um, uh, yeah, like it's it's been a wild ride these 10 past years. Uh, God. <laughs> I just like I just want to like snowball and just like make fake make make up fake stories that it's we can the, reference to it, confuse the audience. Merely the amount of time that it took for uh, as Seren noted earlier, the mobile version of Soka Bond to come out. It, right, dates dates almost line up. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Greg, I believe there's a there's a re- an extra relevance here with our end music. There is. Yeah, I I, I wanted to get something. transition hero. <laughs> okay, I I wanted to uh, get something there that uh, was was appropriate uh, for the occasion, and it was indeed four hundred and eighty episodes ago on <laughs> <laughs> on the twentieth of May uh, in twenty twelve, which is now the twentieth of May for Guillaume. Uh, in in twenty twenty two, yes, uh, yeah, so yeah. you know, we 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 <laughs> I guess it's only appropriate. We, it is the tenth anniversary has just arrived as we speak of that episode. But uh, when Guillaume uh, begins new business in episode two hundred ninety two, uh, he speaks about the Link's Awakening virtual console release on three DS, mm. uh, which uh, I believe yeah, it was a case of Guillaume had arrived at work a few hours early due to some sort of scheduling mix up and, and had only the links awakening to keep him company or something. I believe and it had, <laughs> the eShop had just come out at that point. It was uh, from the year, just like the, the well, less than a year before, right? It was the pre, yeah. pre it, like summer of 2011. I want to say it was, was that whole thing. Uh, hold on. I, uh, the, the RFN Twitter account tweeted about that just a couple of days ago. Oh, well, yeah. So it's just, because so, it's so the anniversary of that just hit not that long ago. Yep. So yeah, Link's Awakening was one of the first two, right? It was that and Super Mario Land. That was that was yep. one of the first two virtual console games. But of course, in the decade, uh, the ensuing decade, uh, there's been a remake of Link's Awakening. Um, and uh, I wanted to use uh, the the sort of staff role, the end credits theme from that game because it is itself actually kind of calls back to the you know the the chip tune version of that song and kind of we weaves it back in really quite nicely while also having you know again, sort of uh similar to the actor example you know, the the much more uh genuine kind of symphonic and bombastic sound it kind of uh weaves back around to that as well in a nice callback which just sort of felt right for the occasion awesome well I want to thank all y'all for being here today. Um, Guillaume, again, thank you for 10 years of doing the show with us. Uh, Saran, thank you for coming on today. Of course. John, welcome back. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Look, I'm tired, okay? Craig, thank you for being here, too. I need to thank you as well, I suppose. (laughs) It would be a glaring omission if I failed to do so. And thank you, James, for hosting. Oh, there Some, we go. See? Yeah, See? Tran- oh, wow. This Another is just a, trans- this is just a group transition hug. master in the works here. There you go, Guillaume. You, you're getting mm-hmm. it. All right. Well, now it's time for us to go. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.